0: Okay, a little bit of a curveball today. For our 10th episode, uh, Double Digits, I am not interviewing anyone. Uh, I wanted to do something special. Uh, I was intending to do what's called an AMA, an Ask Me Anything, where I invite all my previous guests and we're gonna get everyone on the phone and do a live uh, Ask Me Anything. And long story short, uh, this isn't gonna be possible to pull off and still maintain the pace uh, that I wanna keep of the one episode per week. But instead of that, uh, as luck would have it, there's another podcaster in Lisbon right now. Uh, so I was able to meet up with her and we we're going to turn the tables. She is interviewing me on my own show Nomad, Nomad. Nomad. Podcast. Uh, so Laura Gallagher of Expand Your Edge, um, very accomplished podcaster. We actually interviewed one of the same people, uh, Matt Dunsmore, who was my guest on episode five. She's interviewed. Um, so Uh, So yeah, so that's what we're doing. Uh, In this conversation, we talk a little bit about my motivation for becoming a nomad. Uh, I did remote year from May 2016 to 2017. Uh, So we talk about kind of the circumstances that led me to do it, what I took from it, uh, why I didn't go back to the U.S. and continued to travel and eventually settle in Lisbon. Uh, We talk a little bit about what it means to be a tribe. Um, I think there's some interesting parallels, uh, actually thinking about what this means um, and there's some lessons there. So talk about that. We talked about some of what contributed to the success that I had uh, while on Remote Year. I was able to realize a 70% year over year revenue increase for my company. And so we dig into, you know, try to deconstruct what contributed to that. Um, So there's a lot of interesting stuff that we touch on in this interview. Um, It was very interesting being on the other side of the interviewing table, uh, but I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, So without further ado, here is Laura Gallagher's interview of me. Nomad Podcast is supported in part by Nomad Prep, an online academy that teaches you everything you need to know to take your job on the road and crush it abroad. Enroll today at nomadprep.com slash podcast and get your first four days of training completely free. Nomad Prep, take your job on the road and take on the world. So, yeah. Okay. So let me actually, I will start up. So we're doing something a little different today. Uh, Wanted to celebrate the 10th episode, just hit double digits. uh, And this only happens once. So uh, for this episode, I was originally intending to do an AMA with all previous nine guests. And my vision there was to do like Brady Bunch style grid, nine people, Uh, Realized that that's going to take too much effort. Uh, It's not going to happen. I want to keep the pace of one a week if we can. And so um, Laura has graciously agreed to try a different twist on this. She has a podcast of her own. Um, She's going to interview me on my podcast. I'm going to be my 10th guest. (laughs) See how this goes. Uh, Yeah. And let's just see what happens.
1: Perfect. I love it. So thank you, Sean, for the opportunity to interview you on your show. I mean, I have to imagine that anybody that's following this so far has been really curious to hear more of your experiences, so I think it's gonna be a great episode. All
0: right, let's try it.
1: <laughs> All right, cool. Well, so I, I would love to hear the story of what was happening for you when you discovered Remote Year and decided to do the journey.
0: Definitely. Um, so I came about it in a really weird way, so I was living in Phoenix at the time. Yeah, uh, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're I'm AZ as well. Too, so. Awesome. Cool, sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah, the small coincidences abound. Um, so, a buddy of mine, Chris uh, Peliquin, was living, uh, he's a neighbor of mine, lived a block away, and he had been accepted, and he didn't have a remote job at the time. Um, so, he basically came over to my place one night and just asked me, he says, Hey, look, I know you got a remote job. How do you do it? Uh, he was working in a family business, and so he was just curious, like, can I actually do this thing? So he was looking to me for advice on how I did my job for Pagely remotely. Uh, But in the course of that, of me giving him that advice, he's describing this program. And the more he talks about it, the more I was just like, man, I am so jealous. Like, I want to do this thing. Um, And then, like, really to back up before that, I had actually investigated. I was interested in doing a working road trip around the U.S. Uh, So, right. So I, I looked into what's involved. I wanted to go connect with a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while. And, but the deeper I got into looking at that, like the overhead associated with planning the next route and driving and then trying to work during the day, it just didn't, it all seemed feasible for me to actually do that road trip and still be productive for Pagely. So I kind of had written that off. uh, But then about the time that I had just shelved that idea and said, okay, I guess I'll just keep working remotely. um, Chris starts describing this thing. And I just, the more I heard it, the more I realized like, holy crap, like this is that it's solving all the problems that precluded me from doing that but it's a global scale you guys are like going all around the world this is amazing
1: so what do you remember like was there a moment or something in particular that he was describing about the remote year program that made you realize like wait this sounds kind of awesome and kind of took the turn
0: yeah i mean it was just uh well and again the emphasis wasn't even on that it was on like well how do i do my job remotely blah, blah blah and i'm like well okay well so what's the situation like what are you trying to accomplish and then yeah, I mean, it was just basically, oh, I got accepted this thing and we're going to go all over the world and they're like handling all the travel and like we get to see the world. And so it's, it's like my, I just was like Slackjaw as he's describing this. I'm like, he, he was asking me if he thought he should, like if he thought I, should, come on, I can't even talk. If I thought he should do it. And so I said, look, A, you should absolutely do it. And B, I'm going to do it with you. <laughs> That's so, so awesome. Yeah, I applied that night and then uh it was pretty close to the time when we were leaving i think this was about march ish um like late march and so yeah so i applied didn't hear back for a few weeks and then actually got in and it was just like this i had a month to prepare so it was just like off the races it was one of these things we were talking today it was like basically i went from like oh no what if i don't get in to oh crap i got in like i got to <laughs> do this now, right <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly yeah okay and so then you go on the journey Can you say more about what you were hoping to gain or possibly escape in doing this journey in the first place?
0: Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's escape so much as gain. Uh, So I set out to do it because I just, I was in a bit of a rut. Like I was working out of my apartment. Um, It was pretty uh, grueling hours at the time. When I look back on it now, like I was doing a lot of different jobs. Um, It was in the early days, I think I was employee number eight at Pagely. And uh, I was working really long hours out of my apartment. I was having to like force myself to go to coffee shops um, you know, just to get out and have some human interaction during the day. Uh, and so it was like, a, you know, travel kind of represented this idea of like, well, I've got this remote job. I'm not really taking advantage of it. I'm just working out of my apartment and then like going to a coffee shop. Why? Like now that I know about this program, I'd be foolish not to just be doing this from around the world. Why would I not? So, I mean, that was the logic for me. It was just like, once I knew this thing existed, like, holy crap, how could you not take advantage of your situation and work from around the world? Oh, no.
1: And so I imagine that your experience was also a little bit different than some other people because you participated with somebody that you knew beforehand, right? Your friend, Chris.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Funny story. So there, uh, I guess we were the only, there was two couples and obviously they knew each other, but we were, I think, originally treated as a couple, like <laughs> logistically or something. <laughs> now we're not a couple.
1: Um, Important but, point to clarify.
0: Yeah, no. And then I, I know there was a guy, Scott, in our group that when he found out that we knew each other, it was a few months into it and he was just so, he felt so betrayed. He's like, oh man, you guys know each other? Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> so so it's betrayed. not fair.
1: Yeah. Like a head yeah. start or something.
0: Yeah, no, but it was great. I mean, it was really cool. Early on, I felt like Chris and I, because we had history and we, we just, it was like, you know, we we already knew each other. It was just like, I felt like it was very easy for us to go out and people kind of gelled around us, I felt. I mean, obviously a few months into it, we all knew each other. And so it was no issue. But like, early days, no one knew anyone, but Chris and I knew each other. And so it was like this easy, like, I don't know, wingman set up or whatever you want to call it
1: <laughs> yeah well so what else can you tell me then about like the the community and that experience
0: yeah um so darian i think every group feels this way right like everyone's going to say oh our group's the best but like i really think we had a special group of people um truly like it, uh, if our farewell party is anything, I think we had like 26 staff in Buenos Aires when our program concluded, right? So it, there was a magic amongst our group that it. Um, I've seen it in uh, a little bit, like in a few groups since then, uh, like Sisu and the group that's in town now, Community is like, has it, certain groups has ha- have this, uh, I don't know, it's just this essence of like generosity and people having each other's back and like really truly, they get it. Like they get to me that the remote, year experience is all about like just stepping out of your comfort zone, like trying things you would never try. Um, just, just being very generous with your time, like trying some new food, trying some new language, like starting a, running a seminar on something that you know how to do. And just like, it is this platform, like in a last interview with Greg, it truly is like something that you can use to launch a side business or to just go try some new thing that you didn't know. So yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, but yeah. Well, the so
1: I, I love that. And I completely agree with all of that based on my seven, eight months of experience now, but I would love to hear from you. Like what was a personal experience or situation where the value of like this community and tribe really sunk in for you?
0: and okay interesting and we talked about today about pausing and reflecting and just (laughs) thinking about that
1: yeah
0: um that's okay well I can tell you one thing where I don't know this is weird I don't know why this comes to mind there was a lady in our group Nancy uh and this was like the first instance that I remember it was in Prague so it was in our month one it was the first instance that it really like resonated and I felt it and I was like oh wow like this is what this is all about Um, basically we were staying in a place it was called Belgitska um, which means Belgium in Czech and so it was like this big kind of hotel dorm setup a lot of people were staying there and apparently someone was crying and Nancy had a room adjacent to someone and heard it and she jumps on slack and just says like hey just want to let you know like whoever's crying like I'm here for you like you know come see me like reach out this is what this is all about and like no judgment like I'm here for you and like that action to me epitomized the essence of that um I guess another one that jumps to mind there's a guy in our group Jeremy um he probably won't even remember this if I have the photo I'll dig it up but like I came into uh, Belgrade which was month two and it was late one night I come into the workspace and he's there after hours working with someone in our group teaching excel like staying after you know like I don't think anyone truly knew each other that well at this point, but he's clearly just like doing what he can to help someone else with what was clearly a frustrating Excel, like V lookup, one of those funky things that you always have to look up every time you do it. Um, But like that to me was like the real magic of remote year is that something like going into it, I had only seen it as like this is solving the logistic problem that prevented me from driving around the U S and traveling on my own. I saw it as that. But once I got into it, I realized, no, this is like, that was the sugar coating that got us all to do it. But now that we're here, it's fully the community. It's, it's 98% the community once you're on it. And I mean, I think you're nodding. I think you, you would agree. You know, that's, that's what it is.
1: I, yeah, I absolutely would agree. And I, um, as you said, I, I have my own podcast too. And so the other similarity that we have is that I'm here with Kayla who I knew beforehand. So when we talked about this on our podcast, I said, this is before it even started, that I was looking forward to the community aspect of the remote year experience just as much, if not more than the travel. Um, And you brought up a word earlier in our conversation about, you know, tribe. And I've used that same word because I feel like it's just so compelling. And I think it's natural for us. I mean, that's how we used to be as humans. Yeah, exactly. To have this like nomadic experience with a tribe is really cool and very different than how a lot of people live today.
0: So, I think in the same way, I've noticed like if you've ever sat around a campfire and like everyone's just transfixed by the fire, and there's just something like I think hardwired in our brains and our primal limbic human brains as we sit around a campfire that maybe like it's awakening some primal memories of like, ah, here's warmth, here's fire, and like we're all transfixed by it. I think there is like some tribal imprint of the way that people used to live maybe. And like remote year is the closest thing. in you know, other travel programs, not to like say that only remote year has this, like Wi-Fi tribe and the other ones that are out there, like moving as a group of people, I think is how we were hardwired to, to, to approach the world. And I think getting back to that, touched on some primal thing and it restored it. And maybe that that's the thing that kind of rejuvenated. Like I've, I've, I've tried so many times to figure out what was it that revitalized me or what is it about this experience that really like reawakened me. And like it, that is what I keep coming back to is like, is that the thing like, or is it just traveling again as like a modern tribe? Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's a hypothesis, but yeah, I think maybe that is what it is.
1: I love that. And so I, I think that your listeners maybe already know this about you, but you're, you're not still traveling around quite in the same nomadic pace that you did with remote year, but you also didn't integrate back into the United States. Do your listeners already know this or do you want to share some of the decision making?
0: Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a whole one big experiment, so I don't even know, <laughs> aside from like my mom and like some friends who's listening to this <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so for people that don't know, here's, here's my situation. Like I finished remote year, our group concluded in Buenos Aires in May of 2017. Uh, I made my way back up South and Central America through various countries, Uh, went back for a wedding, Uh, our old drummer got married. So we went back, did that. And then uh, I bounced right back out to Portugal because Lisbon was the place that really spoke to me. Like I love this city. Um, it's uh, on remote year, it was month four. And I just remember every day I woke up, I was so happy to be here. So stoked about it. Uh, so I want to come back and like validate, okay, was that just a honeymoon phase? Was that remote year? Like, was it because it was bookended by London and Morocco, or which were two like of the most difficult months for me? Like, um, so I really just wanted to get at that question, like, do I truly love this place? Or was that just a honeymoon phase? And so I came back, and sure enough validated it and just like, yeah, I really love it and I wanna move here. So I started the immigration process, um, fast forward anyways, went back, posted it up in Mexico until my visa came through and then uh, officially moved here in February, uh, earlier this year and got residency in May. And yeah, I've been here since February and I can stay here now that I have residency.
1: That's really cool. So, and I would imagine that there are people who, if they're not interested now, would be interested in the future to know more about that whole process, you know, getting the visa and everything. But yeah, do you want to save that or would you want to talk about any of that experience?
0: I can touch on it. Yeah. I mean, it was not hard in the sense that like it was super like a high bar to jump over, but it was a lot of little low bars. Basically it was, it was uh, annoying, I guess is the best way to describe it.
1: Annoying but doable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, Dysfunction, for lack of a better word, there's just mm-hmm. uh, broken parts of the process. You'll find yourself in a catch twenty two that you need this form to get to see that person, but that person requires that you have this form. And <laughs> so there's a lot of that and just brokenness. So I used a company called Move In. Uh, I believe I don't know if they're specific to Portugal or if they do it elsewhere, uh, but they made the process a lot simpler. Um, worked with an attorney from there, and yeah, I've got a Trello board. I've given it to a number of people who have asked me like, how did you do this? Uh, I've, I probably need to change that because it's got like all my ID numbers and everything oh. <laughs> sensitive in there. So at some point I little
1: revealing. <laughs> that, Yeah, uh,
0: I need to, Well, I'll, I'll do like a redacted version of that Trello board for the people that are interested. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all doable. It's just, I think start to finish it took 10 months and you know, I'm happy that it's done. I'm happy. I don't have to wait okay. in another Portuguese line for a Portuguese <laughs> document, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's very doable.
1: Awesome. So Tell me about your experience now still being here in Lisbon. So obviously your cohort, Darien, ended a while ago. And how you balance sort of this ongoing feeling of tribe that exists with Remote Year with this idea of not getting too in a bubble.
0: Yeah, um, this is a great question. So. So remote year, when we say bubble, just for the people that don't know what we're referring to, um, remote year can be a bubble that you never leave. It's very much, I, I called it an aircraft carrier. Like when we were traveling, it's, I liken it to like you're, you're traveling on this very big safe ship that's like going around the world. And then you can choose to do these little side trips and adventure out and whatnot, but you always can come back to this place of safety, right? So the bubble is traveling with you at that point. Um, now that I live in Lisbon, there's a group like remote year has a very strong presence here. I work out of the workspace. That's where these calls are filmed. Um, So there's always a group in town, like 11 out of 12 months here. And so it's now this revolving door. Uh, I guess like the analogy is like before I was the water flowing through the stream, right. And I'm flowing through all these cool places. Now it's like, I'm the rock in the stream and there's all this cool water flowing past me. Um, So it can be, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. First of all, it's, I'm so lucky to, have this position that I do. Um but it's also exhausting in the sense that yeah, like you meet forty new people every month and then they're gone the next month. And uh you know, I'll see some of them again and it's it's cool. We have the remote nation Slack to stay in touch. It's cool for that. Uh but it's also like yeah, there's uh I just remember for instance when CSU left, it was uh I was definitely like mildly depressed. I really connected with that group. Um and to have like it felt like that all those feelings of our own group, like of closeness and and tribalness um, to develop that so quickly and then have them just like leave, which I knew was coming. Like that was a tough thing. So, um, so yeah, it is an interesting position to be in. I've, I've definitely noticed that since then I've decidedly tried to make more local ties and remain only so connected to a group. Um, Y'all's group is awesome. Like you have that same, feeling um same like inclusiveness and welcomingness that they did and so uh it's tough not to want to hang out with with you guys all the time
1: (laughs) and our family feud
0: yeah family feud was amazing that
1: was pretty epic (laughs) we'll
0: we'll post a clip of family feud (laughs) that was was pretty great
1: (laughs) that was really fun Yeah. Well, so when did you become aware of this whole idea of the bubble? Like, even if it was still during Darien and and how did you build the courage to step out? And or are you still working on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would say uh, if I was going to give myself one bit of advice, I don't think I did that particularly well. It, like, I really enjoyed our group. We had such a close group, and. You know, we we're in all these amazing places. Remote Year has this thing called Tracks where they try to get you out of the bubble. You know, they connect you with a local lady who makes empanadas in Cordoba and you go into her kitchen and then you make empanadas. Like, so stuff like that, they, they already have it baked into the program to do that. Um, I, but I, I do believe that there, uh, or the advice that I would give to my former self if I was going into Remote Year would be, you know, beyond that, take it upon yourself to like go to local meetups. Use uh, something like Internations or whatever the local app is like that. Uh, there's a th- platform called Eat With that's great for connecting you to go have dinner with locals. Like, do things to decidedly put yourself outside of the remote year bubble because even though it is a track event with a local, it's still remote year people. You're still surrounded with a bunch of people you know. So, that would be, yeah.
1: Okay. So, great advice for anybody who chooses to use Remote Year specifically as a platform.
0: Yeah just allocate a few days a month where you're like not even going to do anything remote year related. You're going to go off on your own. Uh, we had a guy, Bakker in our group who was very good. He did like half of his time was spent towards the end, just wandering on his own. And I, I don't know the right mix. I think everyone kind of has to calibrate that on their own, but, uh, that would be my advice is like, definitely get out on your own beyond the, the group.
1: And so whether it's with remote year or a different travel company or people just venturing out on their own you definitely have a passion now for helping people create that experience for themselves. Can you yeah. tell me about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, clearly we're, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs>
1: I've,
0: I've done quite a bit of like most of my spare time at this point is consumed by the different initiatives that you know about. So th- this podcast is the latest one. Uh, the Nomad Prep course. I mean, this all kind of started because uh, you know, I heard a bunch of conversations from the PAs in Mexico city when I was living there. And it's like all these people they would talk to, like they were the wrong people and they're asking like all the same questions. And it's like, how can I make this better? How can I make it so, you know, folks can can solve the logistical problems, get excited, you know, get inspired to want to do this. It's not even so much about like factual knowledge because you can go look a bunch of this stuff up online. uh, But I think it's really more about like, hearing the right stories, hearing about what's possible, getting psyched to do it, and then just pulling the trigger and being like, what do I have to lose? Um, So I built that e-course in um, December uh, and spent some more time gamifying it and making it really you know, like the tool that I wanted, like this interactive checklist and all sorts of stuff. And so I built the thing that I I thought was missing in terms of an onboarding process when I did Remote Year. Um, They do now have, they have put more energy around that, although I would say it's still like, I built what I think they need. <laughs> so anyways, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and, and then once I had invested all the energy and built that, then it was just one of those very like low fanfare launches and like, okay, like nobody's doing this now. And I just put all this energy into this. Okay. Well, so if the mission is to get more people, give them the courage to do it. So then what else can I do to promote the course? And the the podcast just became a natural extension of, okay, like, I could see myself interviewing a bunch of people. I'm endlessly fascinated about all these different subjects, you know, of what, what makes someone a good nomad. Like, what what? why do people not do this? What are the blockers there? What, you know, wh- what can I help do? Is there some maybe, some completely weird thing that we haven't even thought of that's gonna be the answer for like a lot more people doing this? Maybe like a benefactor sponsor kind of model where like, okay, if it's truly, you know, funds or financial, maybe there's some way to like solve that or, you know, getting access to remote work. So all these questions around like, why don't more people do this? Yeah. I just kind of like took it upon myself to be like, okay, let me make that my mission to help more people do this. Um, Just because I found it to be like such a transformational experience. So yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you maybe say more about that, right? Like why do you have the passion that you have for helping people on this kind of journey?
0: Um, I think it's just wanting to share what it did for me. Like knowing the rut that I was in, and knowing how close, like on the fence, I was to not doing it. It was literally like when once I got accepted, was like oh crap! Like I have to go to like sell all my stuff. I just sell my car. If you get immunizations, I have to go. Da da da. There's like a thousand reasons why. Oh man! Like I don't know if I am gonna do this after all. There's a lot of like inertia keeping me in one place, but then. You know, fortunately, I did it, and I, like I can't imagine my life right now had I not done it. Is really the the thing. So, um, I mean, in the piece, I don't know if you read the piece that I wrote on my blog, but it was like uh, I read something in the New York Times that was talking about lost Einsteins, and that is just like it gave me goosebumps because like that is what I think is going on, and a lot of people, I think, people are just like stuck in roles and stuck in a place where they've they've layered on like all these reasons why they can't change. But like, what if, you know, like those folks could be the ones that are the next Einstein and they get inspired on the road and they contribute and they solve some weird malady because of the inspiration they had from traveling. I just feel like this could be the thing that unlocks so many people. And so like when I look in the grand scheme of things is like, in terms of what can I contribute, I feel like this could be like towards my greater mission of getting people unstuck. I think this is a really good, method for helping others get unstuck and this may not be the only method but like it certainly did for me so like this is a logical place to start
1: so it sounds like because you were able to get over the hump of some of those difficult um, tasks I guess I want to call them um, because I remember that same feeling of overwhelm so and they were difficult
0: right they were they're like
1: it's just quantity.
0: Quantity and <laughs> it's just rolled like, build up in your mind. Like, uh, da, 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 and then like just this intangible kind of weight. You're just like, uh, it, but it's not difficult. It was just a, a lot of. Uh,
1: <laughs> and I mean, my mine was a total shit show. As I was telling you earlier today, I <laughs> just begging people to come to my condo and take stuff away. <laughs> like Just come take my stuff. Um, but yeah, no. So I wanted to, on a more serious note, like you were able to get yourself out of the rut. Um, because your friend presented this opportunity for you. And it sounds to me like what kind of shook loose for you in terms of your mindset and the way that you show up in the world is this additional source of inspiration of realizing that like you can be the catalyst for other people. Is there anything else that you think from a place of, um, you know, mindset or headspace that's really shifted big time for you from having done this experience?
0: Here's me pausing thoughtfully, because I, 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 I really <laughs> want to think about the answer to that.:
1: Yeah
0: You know, I don't know that fundamentally anything about my view of the world changed necessarily. I think um, I think constantly being faced with a lot of little challenges is just I, I really think there is something to that that maybe cognitively it, it jogs us like just enough I mean there's got to be research about this I'm just completely speculating here but like constantly being stimulated in novel ways that we don't even think about and, and I think like the the examples that I've used are like the way toilets work or doors work or just little things that you never think <laughs> of being different right like That's you just so use the, the American way that all things work and then you go somewhere and you're like oh wow I guess yeah lights work differently like Serbia, light light switches, turn on light switches. Like, okay, why did I do that? Like but I know being stimulated in that way though, I just like it's just enough little weird stimulation that makes you creative, I think. And it it just wakes you up in a weird way. I don't know. I don't have I don't have I
1: love that. I think that's great. I know. I think it took me until month seven to remember that oh, I probably have to find a switch to get my washing machine to work. <laughs> you know, like little things. Yeah. You said something else that sparked a thought for me, which is just a small little metaphor example, right, of a, a baby chick that's just hatching out of its egg. Have you ever watched that experience, which I've never done live, but it's struggling. Like, it is difficult, and it's hard, and it looks weak and fragile, and it's trying so hard to, like, bust out of that eggshell – But it needs that experience to gain the strength to be in the world. And so when I hear you talk about that, like the little challenges and how it can just unlock creativity or help us, you know, experience things a little bit differently. That's what made me think of.
0: Well, that's a perfect analogy. I mean, that eggshell, to me, we get through time as adults. I feel like there is an eggshell that develops around each of us. And we're just it's we could become a little blind to it and we go through life and it's there but then like it takes something like this like a drastic change and being challenged with little things that we never think about to crack away that eggshell and realize like oh yeah I was living in an eggshell the last few years right like I was in a rut I just don't know any other way to put it um so yeah I don't know
1: Awesome. And so what would you say to somebody who is considering this, but doesn't necessarily think that they're in a rut? They're just curious about the experience.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I, my experience is not going to be your experience and, you know, nor should it, should we try to think that it should be, you know, like uh, this is just where I came from. Um, I think it can help a lot of people for different reasons. I think that just, uh, Exposure to other cultures. I think this is the way that we dispel a lot of like stereotypes and just hatred and Misunderstanding and all that stuff like there's no media sure is not going to do it. That's like going the wrong direction um, There is no better way than going to the other side of the world and eating with someone from a different culture that I can think of so you have that one-on-one conversation that just completely Opens doors for both people, right? It's a two-way street. It's not just you, like as a spectator, like you got to re- realize that, like, you're leaving these footprints all around the world in ways that you could do- not even fathom. You know, there's people in Morocco now that have a different, uh, you know, vision of what Americans really are. You know, like we know that for a fact. Like, we would, people came to our Valencia uh, farewell from Morocco because we made such an impact on mm-hmm. them. like. So it's just like we're, we're crisscrossing the globe and leaving all these traces. And it's just like, I can find no bad, I can find no downside of this whole thing, really. Like there's, there's everyone should try this in the same way that I think every college student should do an exchange program, right? I did, I, I did an exchange program to Ecuador that was hugely influential on me and, and, and shaped my view of the world. So I just like, this is, I don't see a, an issue why more people wouldn't want to do this and I hope more employers will embrace this. I know that there's some resistance right now in employers and I just hope it, it does get to the point. Greg was saying, you know, like, or or I I was saying, or Greg was saying, it was in that interview with Greg, we're talking about like the, the, the sea change that will happen once enough dominoes fall and enough employers are pushed, but it'll be a good thing because then they'll be forced to adopt this. And then I think it'll become much more acceptable. I think that'll happen very quickly. And I, for one, can't wait for that day. (laughs) It'll be great.
1: And for you personally, if you could, with your own personal evidence, dispel, I think one of the myths of letting, letting an employee go do this experience. um, What would you say about your ability to achieve results for your company while you were traveling?
0: Um, You know, it worked really well for me. I don't know. We've tried to uh, unravel that and attribute why that was the case. I think, uh, you know, I I worked really hard. I think people in my group would attest that I was, you know, last one at the workspace a lot of times, but um, I think we just had the right mix. Like, I I love my company. I love uh, what we're doing. I I love the fact they had the trust in me to go do this thing, and so I feel indebted to them to make sure it works. Um, But also, I think there were some other weird things, like, you know, the, the, the time zone overlap issue turned out to be kind of a blessing in disguise. I think like being eight hours offset in Belgrade and having very minimal time overlap where we had to be really efficient with how we did meetings was actually a good thing. It, it, and it, it, it forced the, it forced the issue. Also, um, I was doing a number of roles going into this and I think it made it very clear that, Oh yeah, no, it's time to hire for some of these. So, you know, it made that easier and let me be more strategic. It gave me kind of white space in the day to be able to do things that weren't just so, so reactive. Um, you know, I had the mornings, like my inbox didn't start filling up until two in the afternoon. So I had the mornings to either go like, get rejuvenated and explore the city or, um, you know, or work on a project or be very strategic and say, okay, I'm going to pick this thing that's, that's slowing us down. And how can I tackle that and go do that.
1: And tell me about the biggest deal that you closed in company history. Mm-hmm. Where did that happen? And I'll, that I'll, I'll take
0: up the picture. Yeah, I'll overlay it. <laughs> when we're, when I'm doing this. Um, we were in Morocco. Um I can't disclose the client, unfortunately. We do have an NDA. Uh, but it's a very large university. It was the biggest deal to date for Pageley. Um and yeah, it closed in a bowling alley in Morocco.
1: And, and, <laughs> so great.
0: And I will never forget because the girl Rhonda, who was like organizing the event, um, threw on the song All I Do Is Win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I had like the laptop there. I'm like, we have a picture where I'm like showing the PO that just came through the signed PO for this massive deal. And it's like all I do is win, win, win. <laughs> And so it was just ironic. like, yeah, it was such a high point. <laughs> you know, like, my my boss tweeted out like something like, you know, when your director of sales has his best sales month ever, and he's in a digital nomad in Morocco, nonetheless. You know, and it was just. Like, such a, Surreal feeling. I don't know.
1: Did you go bowl a strike right after that too?
0: Uh, I would love, I wish I could say I did. I think I probably pulled a gutter ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it didn't matter at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I think it's cool to have such a really tangible example of incredible success while traveling around. I think more employers can benefit from hearing that.
0: I mean, I hope so. I hope it. it's so the the resistance when they shoot it down because they think that people aren't gonna perform or they're just like they don't see this working to me that's just it speaks to a trust issue that exists and so if your employer's doing that like my advice to the the folks that where they do get shut down we had a couple people in our group who just force the issue they're like look I'm gonna do this like if you don't want if you don't want to allow this I'm doing it like so I guess we need to part ways I think if you have the luxury of being in a situation where you have little leverage and you can throw that out there that that's a good tactic and i think employers are more and more going to need to be okay with this at least on some term maybe not for a full year but on some basis they're going to need to allow more employees to travel and work this way just because it has so many benefits and it really does like if you don't allow it then that trust issue exists regardless and so that should force the issue and it should make you realize well screw like okay my employer doesn't trust me i should probably be thinking about finding another place to work at this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I know I could keep asking you questions, we could probably talk for hours and hours, but I would love to just, I guess, give you one last opportunity where you're the one being interviewed for any final thoughts that you'd really like to share.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, the the cliche thing is, you know, just do it, like the Nike phrase, right? I'm not going to say just do it because that is, I know not everyone's situation permits this. I know, um, there's a lot of people now I know like families who are asking like, how do I take my family on the road? Is there a family for like a remote year for families? Um, to my knowledge that doesn't yet exist, but it should like, so maybe someone listening, go build that because we need it. Um, but like if your situation permits this and you're just fabricating reasons why you don't go like, I really encourage you to think about this thing. I, I put it in the, in the notes, the pre-interview questions, but um, there's this uh, regret minimization framework theory of decision-making where it's, it's essentially saying like, you know, what are you going to regret more on your deathbed? Are you going to regret like having tried it and maybe it failed and you came home? Probably not. Are you going to regret having always wondered what if and never tried it? Probably. That's probably the thing you're going to regret. So don't do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I like yeah, that a lot. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being on your show today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank me for, yeah, whatever. Thank you for.
1: <laughs> it's been great.
0: You, yeah, you know what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Awesome. All right, no, but seriously, thank you for doing this. I know this is like late at night and we just dreamed this up today. So yeah, I, I do no, appreciate you do it. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> All right. We'll see
1: you in a second out there.
0: I'll see you. Yeah, I guess we should. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: cool.
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you coming? Where are you at? Oh,
1: yeah. Are so, <laughs> <laughs> you just going like, to, like, the infinite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Bye.
0: All right. That was my conversation with Laura. Hope you found it useful. Um, and I hope you found that interesting. It was uh, certainly interesting from my perspective to be on the other side of the interview table. So at this point, usually I go through a script and I'm gonna break from that script today and actually just talk kind of free form off the cuff about what's coming down the pipeline here. Um, So this whole effort has really been one big experiment and I, we've got 10 episodes recorded now. Um, I'm excited about that. Not many podcasts actually make it to 10 episodes, uh, but there's quite a bit of time involved in producing each one of them. I spend about six hours uh, with the video and making the show notes and transcriptions and photos and yada, 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 all that. So uh, I am, after the next couple, I've got three more in the can. I've recorded one with a Mayo Clinic sleep specialist. I've also talked with the founder of a site Uh, which is essentially like the Yelp review system of remote job seeking sites Uh, so it's a way to help you maximize uh, your efficiency in terms of finding remote work Uh, and I've also talked recently with a uh, a nutritionist certified nutritionist and health coach who also traveled uh, on remote year so all three interesting conversations I'll be releasing those three episodes and then we'll likely take a little bit of a break. I'll pause the content production and I'm gonna shift my emphasis a bit. Um, So I'm gonna be focused uh, on a couple things. I'm gonna reassess this format and see if the six hours that's involved in each episode is justified and if it makes sense to continue doing that or if there's maybe some other format that makes more sense. Uh, Certainly if this was audio only, that would be a lot easier. Uh, But I do like the video, and so I'm genuinely curious, if you're listening to this, I'm very curious of how you consume this content. I I see the stats, I see which platforms are being used and how many YouTube views there are and all that. Uh, But I'm genuinely curious if you find value in the video component, if you want me to continue doing the video, uh, if it's worth it to people, I will invest that time. Uh, if nobody really needs the video, I may switch gears and do audio only going forward. So, just being upfront about that, uh, I'm also going to take the time to take some of this great content that we've had recently and integrate it into the e course. Uh, so, as some of you, or hopefully all of you, know by now, um, I spent a good deal of time actually building an e course, uh, the Nomad Prep that we mentioned on today's episode. Uh, I put a fair amount of time into developing what I think is the perfect. System for prepping someone to go on the road, uh, not just for remote year. I know we spend a lot of time talking to remote year people just because that's the program that I did, uh, but this is a tool that can be used by anyone for any program, even for solo travel. And so I want to look at that and, and do a better job and integrate some of these podcast episodes. Go back and revisit that course and start to integrate some of this content back into there. Put it in the emails that help people, you know, pull them back into the system and get them doing it. So, uh, so again, going to pause content production, focus on those things. Uh, I'm also going to, if I do continue doing video, then I want to put some emphasis into streamlining the content production process Uh, because it does take quite a bit of time right now Um, and so yeah and I want to keep doing these I really enjoy these uh, but I also want to make the most of my time and uh, and see if I can whittle that down a bit okay and then the last thing I'm going to do is I'm also going to put some emphasis around promotion so we actually have a a pretty good body of content if you've listened to all 10 episodes then thank you uh, and hopefully you would agree that these are some high quality interviews that we have here so So that's what's up with me. Uh, I am just wanted to give you that heads up that after so three episodes from now, we'll do a little break. And I don't know, it may be a week. It may be a month, maybe two months. I don't know. It's going to be as long as it takes me to kind of rejigger some of these other things. And then I've got plenty of other awesome guests lined up. I mean, the good news is that the people are having no shortage of really smart people applying to be guests. And so now it's a question of i want to keep that quality high and i want to keep the time commitment uh, within reason so so that's where things are at Uh, all that being said thank you so much for listening as always uh, you know if you want to sign up you can put your email in in the footer of the site to get notified get access of these uh, special events that we're going to be doing Um, subscribe on any of the platforms try the e-course if you're thinking about going remote uh, all these things. Get discounts for the programs. Uh, we've got, I think, a good thing going here, but I would love to hear from you and get some feedback. Uh, very little chatter, very few comments so far. And so it would be great just to hear a shout out and say, hey, we like what you're doing. We think it sucks. We, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever you want to say. Uh, we would love to hear from some of the people that have been listening that we've not heard from. Okay. Um, so until next time, there's a big world out there. I will see you on the road. No man! No man.